Okay, we're going to try to get started. I got to get enough volume here to overcome everybody. Um, all right, and then I get. I'll get I, I want to say welcome to the deep freeze. Um, if you need to do some calisthenics throughout to, in order to keep your blood flowing, Heather suggested we should maybe you know get up and do some stretches and things to get the BTUs up. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll get some heat in here one of these days. Okay, so last week we're in, we're this week we're going to be in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter six. So last week we looked at chapter five, where Solomon seemed to be telling us not to bother trying to impress God, and to find contentment contentment with what God has given. This week we will see that only God gives purpose to this life, and I'm going to try to adjust this so that it stops. You got it. That's right. You, I've got the the controller back there. Good. Thank you. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and pray, and I'm still getting a little bit of ringing, so. Father God, this, thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity once again to look into your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who guides us and directs us and illumines our hearts, Lord. Um, thank you for this book that um, has been challenging to me, no doubt, but um, what fun to see how you um, just enlighten our eyes and our hearts, so. Um, we just ask that you would guide us this morning and that we would be ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, I'm being high-tech this week. I've actually got, um, I know, slides. Pretty impressive, huh? Um, so this is kind of my outline. I figured there were like two things that I really wanted to put up here. I thought, well, if I'm doing that, I might as well put a few other things up there. So... Um, that's kind of where we're going. Um, one to six is kind of my first division, Better Never Born Than a Crummy Life. Uh, I probably could have come up with a better title, but that was the best I did. Seven to nine, what are you living for? And then 10 to 12, whose life is it anyway? For those of you who actually take notes, which I'm a terrible note taker, I'm going to leave that up for a couple minutes, and then we'll uh, take that down. So uh, verses one through six. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is prevalent among men. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that his soul lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God has not empowered him to eat from them, for a foreigner enjoys them. This is vanity and a severe affliction. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, however many they be, but his soul is not satisfied with good things, and he does not even have a proper burial, then I say, Better the miscarriage than he, for it comes in futility and goes into obscurity, and its name is covered in, in obscurity. It never sees the sun, and it never knows anything. It is better off than he. Even if the other man lives a thousand years twice and does not enjoy good things, do not all go to one place. So here's the scene. A man works and toils and spends his days amassing and acquiring all the things that he wants, uh, all the things that he feels that he needs to make himself comfortable, and then it's gone. It's just gone. And actually, it's still there, but somebody else gets it all. Somebody else is enjoying it all, not him. Uh, I was thinking it's a bit like uh, it would be as if the, the matron of the family grandma, mom, whatever, says, 
this year for Thanksgiving, I'm going to do all the planning. I'll do all the shopping. I'll do all the preparation. I'm going to cook everything. And she gets done. Here's the big Thanksgiving spread. Her family comes in, descends on it, and picks it clean. And she goes in. There's nothing left. It's a little bit like that. Feels a little bit like that on potluck sometimes when some of the ladies who are serving in there, they bring the food and then everybody goes through it and it's like, okay, what's left? You know, um, not quite the same. And both of those examples are just one day. They're not a lifetime. So here this man has spent his whole lifetime doing all this work so that he can finally settle down and enjoy it. And... Uh, Solomon says, and it's just gone, and Solomon says that it is vanity and a severe affliction. Um, other versions use it's a cause of great distress, a grievous evil, a sore affliction. They say it's meaningless, a sickening tragedy, an evil disease, great wretchedness. You get the idea it's not good, not a positive thing. He also says that it is prevalent among men. Do you agree with that? Do you see this a lot? Would you consider it to be prevalent? If you're a non-Christian, okay. don't praise the Lord as that's what but even sometimes when you say bless the motherless, you're not really rendering a blessing Okay, okay, but what about just literally the physical? You know, Solomon really seems to be saying even the physical, you know, you, you work all your life and then the things are just gone. Yeah. It all flows together, no doubt. Sure. Yeah. And I do see that a lot. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Um, and and we're gonna get there. Um, I, I don't. I don't think that we see what he's describing here in the physical sense a lot in the U.S., right? I don't think we see that a lot, at least certainly not in our circumstances. I do think we see it in other places, and I think we see it a lot in the Old Testament. You know, I think you see a lot of, you know, people just going in and, and conquering and taking and, and just, you know, grabbing and, and, you know, I don't want you to have it anymore. I want to have it, and I'm, you know, I'm just taking it. Yes, Apes. Okay. Yes. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 It, it's it's the wrong 
It's the wrong motivation. It, it, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, in, in this whole thing, he also says, he speaks of a man who has hundreds of kids and lives for many years. In fact, in verse 6, he says, um, he even talks about he lives 2,000 years, but he doesn't enjoy the life he lives. He doesn't even have a proper burial. And that probably refers to the fact that nobody cares. Nobody wants to bury him. Nobody wants to be at his funeral. Nobody even cares that, you know, even if this is a guy with, he's talking about a guy with hundreds of children who lives, you know, for a long time, and yet nobody wants to be there uh, when he dies. Nobody cares. Um, and so then he says it would have been better for him to never have been born. It's pretty, it's pretty serious. It would have been better for him to die in utero than to ever see the sunlight um, if he had not even had some basic enjoyment in, in this life. And we're going to, again, we're going to talk a little bit more about what that, what that enjoyment is. But I, I just had to stop at this and, and ask, you know, what do you think of this argument? Okay, yep. Right. Right. Yeah, there's, there's a few throughout the Old Testament that um, and I, I've forgotten when I was reading one of the commentaries they were talking about, but, but Jonah's another one. Um, there's a few of them that are like, you know, why was I ever even born? So that, that's kind of an interesting. Does this argument concern you any? It makes me think a little bit of the uh, pro-abortionist argument. You know, if, you're, if, if this child isn't going to be loved, isn't going to have a good life, then, then why should it even be born? Is that... Right. Yeah. Right. What's wrong with the argument as our world wants to use it? What's wrong with, with the pro-abortionist saying, it comes down to who's playing God, right? That's, that's the, you know, because this is something that will come up sometime at some point in your life, potentially, that somebody goes, well, even... Solomon said, some people should just not even be born. Yeah, he did. He sure did. Who gets to decide? Are the we the ones to decide? No, that's a God thing. And I can tell you, I know that there are a number of people in this room, including my wife and I, who have dealt with miscarriage, and it is an unpleasant thing. But it is when you know God... When you trust him and you can say, your purposes are perfect, I don't understand, don't begin to understand, that's a whole different thing than saying, I'm going to take a life because I don't think that it's going to have purpose, that I don't think it's going to have a good life. Who are you to determine that? And Solomon's saying, some people would have been better off not born. Solomon's not saying, I'm the one to decide. Um, yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's not saying this is what I would have done or any of those things. Yeah. Um, notice what I didn't say in my first one that I'm about to make go away. Um, I didn't say better off dead than a crummy life. There's a difference between better off dead and a, and a difference in better off never having been born. Um, yeah. Right. It, it's, it's kind of both, I think. I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, but on this point, can, a, you know, can an unborn child uh, decide to take his or her own, her own life? No. And so that's, a, that's the reason I'm making the, dis, the distinction is, you know, somebody could say, well, you know, apparently I should, I'd be better off dead, so I should kill myself. No, that's not. You know, again, God is the one who decides when we are born and when we die, ultimately. We, we, say, we can say, I'm going to take my life. Even that, he is ultimately in control of what happens in that. Um, yeah, so we've kind of already talked about it, but we do need to ask, why is this man's life so tragic? What has caused him to be unhappy um, and unable to enjoy life? And I think, um, as Kevin was alluding to, yeah, go ahead, Porter. No, go ahead. Right. Yep. Right. That, again, that's part of it. Um, in verse 2, he says, God has not empowered him to eat from them. And I think it means more than just eat. I think it also means to enjoy the things that he has gotten. Um, he has, he's not able to enjoy what he's obtained for himself. Why wouldn't God allow him to enjoy those things? Okay, how so? Okay. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. We would see no need for Jesus. We would see no need for redemption. If everything was great here, then I don't really need a Savior. You know, my sin... I may be a sinner, but big deal. I don't see any negative consequences of it. So, yes, it is God's mercy, absolutely, to let someone suffer when they're trying to make this life something he didn't create it to be and something that will not ultimately fulfill. He knows that. So it would be wrong to say, yeah, I'm going to... and." And it's interesting because, on the other hand, do we see um, people who are 
also wealthy and total pagans, and, you know, they seem to enjoy a lot of it. Do we see some of that? Yeah, we do. Now, we don't see what's going on in their hearts, and we have a lot of evidence that there are a lot of very wealthy, very successful people, um, men in particular, who ended up taking their lives. We've talked about that before. That, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no true peace without Christ, without, without knowing the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a good description of, again, this, this was probably written toward the end of his life, right? So there's a good chance that he's, he is experiencing a lot of this kind of, you know, it, it didn't satisfy, it doesn't bring, it doesn't bring satisfaction. And maybe he's thinking, I would have been better off not born. Maybe he's recognizing that, you know, you would think that at the end of his life, if he's recognizing that, and, and of course, again, let, let, let's, let's not forget where he ends. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. So he's, he does recognize. Um, but yes, it, I think you may be right, Jim. He may be kind of recognizing this is where, where I'm at. Um, Jeremiah 22, 18 to 22. This is uh, the Lord talking about Jehoiakim. Uh, Therefore, thus says the Lord in regard to Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, they will not lament for him, alas, my brother, or alas, sister. They will not lament for him, alas, for the master, or alas, for his splendor. He will be buried with a donkey's burial, dragged off and thrown out beyond the gates of Jerusalem. Go up to Lebanon and cry out and lift up your voice in Bashan. Cry out also from Abraham, and uh, for all your lovers have been crushed. The wind will sweep away all your shepherds, and your lovers will go into captivity. Then you will surely be ashamed and humiliated because of all your wickedness. You who dwell in Lebanon, nested in the cedars, how will you groan? Um, how you will groan when pangs come upon you, pain like a woman in childbirth. This is a description. It's interesting that, that in many ways Solomon seems to be describing his great, 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 however many down, grandson, Jehoiakim, um, who is being you know, disciplined by the Lord. And it seems to be a pretty good description of what's going on here. You've amassed all these things, and all these things are going to be, I'm taking all these things away. And let me... Um, Romans 1, very familiar. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanging the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Yeah. Yeah. 
So again, why, why hasn't God allowed this man to enjoy his life? It's that, we've already said it, but it's, it's that idea that it would not be merciful to allow him to remain in this situation um, and, and find joy and contentment in it. It would, be a, it would be a curse, not a blessing. Um, I'm going down through because we already kind of covered some of this. So, why, doesn't he, why does he not allow it? Um, uh, what is the purpose of everything we see in creation and everything that takes place in it? Yeah, to bring glory to God, right? Um, does wealth and abundance bring, can it bring glory to God? Yes, it certainly can. It demonstrates his, his nature that is um, abundant in, in giving. He's a, he's a gracious, loving, giving God. Um, creation itself speaks of how generous he is, and that's a lot of what Romans is talking about. Do poverty and, hum- and humble circumstances bring glory to God? Yeah. How? Yeah, again, we kind of already said it, but they show the contrast between the abundance that comes because of his goodness and the results of sin and evil in the world. These things are results of sin in the world. If there's no poverty, if there's no pain and suffering in the world, if there are no, was no evidence of the results of sin in this world, we'd have a harder time seeing why we need to cry out to Jesus for mercy to be saved from our sins. So, if you've been given a shot at this life, if you are here today turning oxygen into carbon dioxide, then you've been given an opportunity to, get, to live a good life. I was expecting a smile from my wife. That was, that was science. See, I'm, I'm not a science guy, you know. Um, you've, sorry, that's all right. You've been given an opportunity to know what this life is worth living for. So what are you doing with that opportunity? All right. Um, I can get that. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're moving on. So this section I call, What Are You Living For? Verses 7 through 9. All a man's labor is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage does the wise man have over the fool? What advantage does the poor man have, knowing how to walk before the living? What the eyes see is better than what the the soul desires. This too is futility and a striving after wind. So I think verses 7 and 8 are saying that if you're only living to survive or working to survive, you're not really living. You may try the route of great wisdom and learning, or if you're poor, you may try to figure out how to get along with those who, who have more than you. But if you're only living in order to survive, in order to turn oxygen into carbon dioxide the next day, you're not really living. Do we see any of this in the world today? People seem to just be living to live. You hear things like this, be safe, 
be careful out there. Don't hurt yourself. Wear a mask. You don't want to kill grandma. Are there those who would wrap their kids in bubble wrap if they could? If they could get away with it? There truly are. I know some people who, if they could figure out a way to totally insulate their kids and themselves, or sometimes just themselves, from any kind of pain or you know, unfortunate circumstance, they would. Is that living? Are we only trying to live to survive and be around for another day? What is the majority of our world living for? Huh? Self. Pleasure. Yeah, I think a lot of them don't really know. I think, I almost think that there's a lot of them that are kind of hanging on and going, you know, eventually science is going to figure out a way to overcome death. So I'm just, I'm just trying to survive until we get to that point, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If you live 2,000 years and have no purpose and no, no joy in life, then what's the point? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, yeah, the, comparing it to the, the, ter- the parable of the talents, I'm just going to try to survive as long as possible and try to keep my head down. And, and of course, there's this, there's this evil in the world that we don't, you know, we all know that we were in our, when we were in our 20s, and there's a couple of them that are, you know, maybe one or two, but when you're in your 20s, you're like, okay, yeah, you know, I can do this. And, and, and you get older, and you start to recognize that eventually I'm not, I'm not going to be around anymore, right? So there's a lot of that in our world. Just hoping, I'm not really sure what they're hoping for, but I'm, I'm guessing that it's maybe that um, hoping that eventually there will be some solution figured out, and I won't have to die. I don't really know. Um, verse 9 is basically the a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush kind of a thing. It's better to enjoy what you have than always be wishing for something more. Um, and yet at the end of verse 9, what does he still conclude? It's all still futile. If, if that's all you're, if it's just for the the stuff. Um, I, this was one of the reasons I actually brought the computer. Uh, this was a, a Wearsby quote. Um, is Solomon telling us that it's wrong to dream great dreams or have a burning ambition to accomplish something in life? Of course not. But we must take care that our ambition is motivated by the glory of God and not the praise of men. We must want to serve others and not promote ourselves. If we think our achievements will automatically bring satisfaction, we are wrong. True satisfaction comes when we do the will of God from the heart, Ephesians 6.6. And then Jesus, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so it's that idea that we, we can strive and we can work and we can do all these things, but if they are to feed our flesh, it's all going to be hollow and just not worthwhile. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Okay. I didn't read it that way, but but yeah, you, that that could be it. Um, but then I wonder why he do, why does he conclude with it, this too is futility and a striving after wind. Okay. 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 I see. I see where you're getting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, yes. And are you, are you focused on, I need to get more, I need to take care of myself, or are you focused on what the Lord has, and if whatever he gives me is okay, because he's a good provider, he'll take care of my needs, um, I'm just going to be faithful to whatever he shows me to do next, um, and he'll, he'll take care of all the rest. And, and again, that's what you were saying as well, you know. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He's going to take care of all the other stuff, all the rest of what we need. Um, so what are you living for? What is your underlying purpose in your life? And based on Mark, what, what, are, what is required to save your life? Jesus, uh, he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when, when, when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Okay. Let's move on to the last section. Um... Uh, where I ask, whose life is it anyway? Um, so, verse 10, whatever exists has already been named, and it is known what man is, for he cannot dispute with him who is stronger than he is. For there are many words which increase futility. What then is the advantage of a man? For who knows what is good for a man during his lifetime, during the few years of his futile life? He will spend them like a shadow. 
For who can, tell, uh, who can tell a man what will be after him under the sun? So it took a while for me to try to wrap my head around this. I read a lot of different versions, and um, there's a lot of different ways that it's kind of spelled out. So um, I, uh, I made the, the totally official, unofficial Jeff Morris paraphrase. And so that's what I included up here. Um, so basically, <laughs> that got a laugh out of it. <laughs> Everything that exists was here before us. We can't claim any of it. And everyone knows what a frail being mankind is, and it's proven when he attempts to argue with God, who is not only infinitely stronger, but also wiser than man. You can keep arguing with God. There are lots of words to use. But where is it going to get you? What's the point? And I believe what is being argued over is man's life purpose. I think that's kind of what this argument is about. Does a man really know what's good or beneficial for himself in his lifetime? Is he really able to determine why he was put here apart from God? Life is short, and only God can tell a man why he is here and what he should be doing with his life. So I think it kind of encapsulates what we've been talking about. What is, what is the purpose? And, and men try to argue with God over what our purpose is. Men try, we try to you know, come up with these different arguments. Um, but God is the only one who can give our lives purpose. What kinds of futile arguments do people make to claim they should be able to live life the way they want? How do people argue with God, or maybe not with God, but make the argument? Can you think of any? It's my life. I can do whatever I want, yeah. God wants me to be happy. Right. 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 And and the first part of what you said is critical. If there is no God, then how can anybody tell me what I'm doing is wrong? Yeah. Right. And it goes back to Romans 1. God says, everybody knows. So, but it's, it's that, yeah, it's that game. It's that, you know, I'm going to make this argument. Um, yeah. There is no God. God would want me to be happy. I believe in a good God who wouldn't, who wouldn't send anyone to hell. So that just gives me license to do whatever I want because he's not going to condemn me. Um, how does God respond when people say, no thanks, I'll do life my own way? You're free to do so. Yeah. I did it my way. He says, hey, you know, yeah. The full package. Yeah. Yeah, God says, you are free to do so. You won't find peace joy or satisfaction in this life, but yes, you can do that. You absolutely can. 
And because I love you enough not to violate your decision, I will also uh, not force you to go to, to heaven with me. I love you enough to respect the choice you want to make. I love you enough to say, if that's what, you're, that's what you want to do, if you don't want me, I'm not going to force myself on you. What's that? Yes, sir. Yep. All right, so to try to kind of wrap things up here, why does God allow some people to wallow in their self-centered, abundant success, never once acknowledging that there is a God other than themselves, and then he allows others to work their whole lives until they get what they have been working for, only to have it all taken away? Yeah. Pretty much. And then, of course, there are still others who have never had anything, and still the answer is still the same. <coughs> but we go, God allows some people to have a lot of stuff. God allows some people to not have anything. And so we have to ask the question, is God unfair? Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. God is just, yeah. Well, and, and yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Poor do you, we... Yeah, yeah. And Jesus, are you really the right thing? Because this doesn't seem right. Yeah. Okay. Right, right. Yeah, so you may not have heard that, but basically the, the difference between being fair and being just 
this is the way I answer the question, is God unfair? Kinda, yeah. It's just that he's not fair in the way we like to think. And he's not unfair in the way we like to think. We all deserve death, so the fact that he allows anyone to live out their life is a gift, right? And how all of our lives play out is not equal, which could be interpreted as unfair. But if you start with the fact that breath is a gift, then after, everything after that's gravy, right? You were given the opportunity to, to live, to do something. And the, the most amazing thing is you were given the opportunity to know God. You were given the opportunity to see him in creation, through his word, all these ways. We can have purpose. We who know Jesus do have purpose. We have purpose. Whether we're living out that purpose or not is another question. So you have to ask, what or who are you living for? Whose life is it anyway? We've all been bought with a price. All right, we're out of time. So I'd ask for any last thoughts, but I got the last one today. So, Porter, will you pray for us? Amen. Thank you.